All right, what's up, guys? Before this podcast starts, there is some technical issues that happened with the podcast in terms of there's some terrible noise that my computer makes throughout this week's podcast. Um, I'm trying my best to edit it out. It's not really happening. Um, so I don't really know what to say. But in terms of the content, the podcast is pretty good. But the sound quality at certain points isn't the best. And I apologize for that. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another Sport Universe podcast. It's me, Brian. I'm Drum and Nick. What's going on, guys? And Max. Hello, everybody. All right, so we're going to talk about some week one of football, obviously, um, hockey playoffs, NBA playoffs, and some baseball. So we'll start with football. All right, so football. Very eventful week in football. There's a ton to cover. Um, you know, I think we'll go into the games, you know, at the back end of football, but we're going to start off with. The news that kind of happened, I would say, before the games really started. Um, so to start this week, the Giants had released DeAndre Baker, which kind of happened simultaneously as recorded our podcast last week. Um, you know, kind of expected with his robbery case going on. Um, it was about time they released him, which the Giants fans thinks because we traded up back into the first round to get him. Um, I never was a huge fan of him to begin with. I, I didn't like him coming out of Georgia. And I definitely thought the Giants didn't need to trade up to get him. They traded up, I think, their second-round pick in order to move up eight spots to get him when he probably would have been there anyway. Um, but, I, you know, I was never a fan of DeAndre Baker on the start. You know, he showed a little bit of talent towards the back end of last season. And now he's off the team. And if he gets he gets found guilty on these robbery charges or he pleads, his NFL career may, may be over. Um, we'll have to see where that case lines. Um, so moving on from there, uh, the Cardinals signed DeAndre Hopkins to a two-year, $54.5 million contract extension. Um, I, you know, For me, this is a, a hefty contract, right? It has almost $43 million guaranteed, but I think it's well worth it. DeAndre Hopkins has shown he is a top three, easily top three receiver in the NFL. Um, and if the Cardinals are going to continue to have more and more success moving forward with the young core that they have, I think DeAndre Hopkins is, is going to be a big part to that offense moving forward. Um, which, you know, going into the games this week, he had a really good game this week. So, uh, you know, well-deserved, in my opinion. Uh, you know, about that, you know, he got a pretty big pretty big raise. It seems like everybody nowadays who gets, like, the highest paid, you know, money for their position is getting a huge raise. This one was, like, I don't know, $7 million per year raise. It's only a two-year extension, but, you know, I guess if anyone's worth it, it's Hopkins because, like you said, Nick, he is, I think, also a top three receiver in the league. So, and... It's and he should be worth it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving on from there, um, Von Miller had suffered a, I believe, a torn ACL. The you know the the news in terms of like the exact details of his injury are not a hundred percent clear, but it, it seems to be a torn ACL. But uh, he is out for the season, uh, which is a pretty big loss. Um, or it's it's an you know I forget is it an ankle injury and he's. ACL? I think it might be an ankle. I don't know off the top of my head. I, I do think I don't think it was. An, I didn't hear the ACL. I don't believe. I could be wrong. Yeah. But I do think it's it's ankle. Yeah, I've heard some mixed reports, but I think it was ankle. Um, either way, he's out for the season. Uh, pretty big blow to the Denver Broncos, especially on the defensive side. You know, offensively, they improved so much over the all season. Drew Locke was poised, is poised to have a really good year. Uh, they drafted Jerry Judy. The offensive line slightly improved. Obviously, they picked up Melvin Gordon. You know, a lot of a lot of talent added to that roster with Noah Fant, who had a pretty good rookie year. Um, on the offensive side, but on the defensive side, obviously, uh, thinking things are looking a little bit more grim. That defense was really good during the Peyton Manning years, but it's kind of fallen apart little by little since then. Uh, you know, Bradley Chubb had a really good fresh, 
really good rookie year, and he was injured all last year. We'll have to see what he does. But, you know, with the Denver Broncos team, which I thought they were going to do pretty good this season, um, and they probably still will, but obviously not having Von Miller, top five pass rusher in the NFL, uh, is a pretty big loss for them. Yeah, and it's, it's obviously a huge loss. And, of course, I'm not going to be saying that I want anyone injured, but it does help my Titans tonight because we're going against them. So, and so it did flip the line a lot. So, I mean, hopefully he's okay. It's a big loss, but I, I, is that a help? It's probably a, probably a, I'm not, I don't want to say a big win, but it helps the Titans to have a better chance to win. Mm. Um, yeah, I agree. You know, that, that Denver Broncos defense is really relying on Von Miller and that pass rush to hold them together through the season. Because um, they're definitely going to have to start rebuilding that defense soon, especially with Drew Locke emerging as their starting quarterback. Um, moving on from there, we have Jalen Ramsey. He signed a mega contract extension with the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, five years, $105 million. Uh, a little over $71 million guaranteed. Uh, he's 25. He is now the highest paid defensive back in NFL history. He's making roughly about $21 million a year. Um, Jalen Ramsey, I feel like he's had a lot of ups and downs in his career. There's no doubt that he's an extremely talented cornerback, and to my opinion, easily a top, top three corner in the NFL. Um, it just comes down to the fact that I think the Rams roster has been so poorly built over these past couple of years that I think, you know, at, at this point, they have to extend Jalen Ramsey, and we saw with the, the Patriots-Rams game last night. Um, not the Patriots-Rams, rather. Um, the C- Cowboys. Cowboys-Rams. Why? Well, I couldn't think of the other time. Thank you. Um, the Cowboys-Rams last game, uh, last night, we all saw that big hit that he laid on Amari Cooper. Um, pretty good tackle there. It wasn't called exactly a hit stake that the media was calling it, but, uh, you know, really, really solid tackle. Really good play last night from Jalen Ramsey. Um, you know, he's, he's such a talented corner. I just think the Rams are putting themselves in a tough position because they went and got him um, from the Rams. Um, but, no, for, why am I messing up everything from the Jaguars? They got him from the Jaguars through a pretty hefty trade. Um, and how much money they've dealt out between, like, Jared Goff, who's you know, top five paid quarterback in the NFL. They put a lot of money into Todd Gurley. You know, the, the team has put a lot of money into their stars, and it really just has not panned out. Their cap is getting thinner and thinner, and they really got to, like, they're, they're really in a difficult spot right now because they don't have that much cap room. They have a lot of money tied into players that they're not getting a lot of use out of. Um because I just think they're in a really difficult spot. I like Jalen Ramsey. I think he's a good corner. It's just like they're putting so much money into him when that when that that team has a has a lot bigger issues, um, you know, all over the field, and they're going to really need to divide up that money. And signing somebody like Jalen Ramsey to a big contract kind of hurts that. Um, with the fact that you know, I think for me, the Rams should go into a rebuild, and signing signing Jalen Ramsey limits that with the amount of money they're going to have in cap. Um, but you know, I do like Jalen Ramsey, and I think he. If any player is worth, in terms of a DB, in terms of a contract extension like that, Jalen Ramsey's name should be on that list. Um, I just don't know how it affects the Rams franchise, but you know, I think Jalen Ramsey's talent speaks for itself. I mean, his talent's good, and I think it's a situation that the Rams all but had to extend him or give him money because they gave up two first-rounders to get him. I also think it was a fourth-rounder. I mean, I don't think it's... I mean, even if they want to rebuild, I honestly even agree with you, Nick. I think they should. They really can't because they don't have their... They lost their first-round pick this past year, and they they don't have their first-round pick next year either. And about Ramsey himself, I honestly, the more and more I've watched him since 2017, I haven't really been a huge fan. I don't think he's had anywhere near as good of a year as he did then. You know, he's talented, but I, I think he's the kind of player that he he's gotten way too caught up in trash talking and all that. He hasn't really back, and he hasn't really backed up on the field over the past few years. I mean, of course, again, he's very good, but just the amount of talking and just the amount of chaos he's gotten involved in. I think it, he can be a total nuisance. And yesterday, 
I, I thought, even though he had that big hit on Mark Cooper, I thought he did not play a good game. I thought Michael Gallup burned him a few times, especially on that that last play that was um, called pass interference. But I think you can agree if you know what I'm talking about. That was <clears throat> that was complete garbage, and and of course they he he got saved. But I thought he really didn't have a good game, and I think this. I don't. I don't know if Ramsey's going to be worth this extension. I mean, he's kind of calmed down since days in Jacksonville. But I mean, if he, he, I don't think he's returned to the same corner he was when he was there. Yeah, I, I totally agree with you there. Um, you know, going back to yesterday's game, you know, I think again, like I think that's that's classic Jalen Ramsey when we're looking at him, right? As you said, he's too caught up in the trash talking and not his game. He has the talent to make that, that highlight play that we saw in Amari Cooper. Right. But at the same time, with he has not been progressing his game since entering into the NFL. Um, you know, it's kind of it's, I'd say he's became sort of stagnant since his since his fresh uh, rookie year in, in Jacksonville. And you know, you see a lot of plays like you do with with Gallup, where he, Gallup torched you right. Gallup did torch him quite a few times last night, and it's pretty evident um, that he, he he needs to work on his game. And I think it's also a process of the of the Rams system. Defensive system is not great either. Heavily reliant on Aaron Donald getting to the to the quarterback, or else uh, that defense does struggle. But you know, Aaron Donald is very talented, so he does that a lot. But um, you know, going back to the Rams, as you said, um, it puts the Rams in a tough situation, and he has, his play really has not progressed in Jacksonville. No, and like you, I know the Cowboys have good receivers, but if you're Jalen Ramsey and you're that talent, as talented as you are, I don't think you should be getting burned by a team's number two receiver mm-hmm. like that. 100% agree. Um, so moving on from there, we have Ryan Chazier. He officially retired from the NFL, uh, you know, a couple years back now. I believe it was in you know, 2016, 2017. 2017 um, season. 2017, yes. Okay, so he he went for a tackle. Everyone remembers this moment if you watched it or you definitely saw it on ESPN at some point. He went for a tackle. I can't remember the team off the top of my head. Um, was it the Bengals? I think so. Yeah, I think it was against the Bengals. He went for a tackle, went head first, uh, made collision with head with his head. Ultimately, it left him paralyzed pretty much from the waist down, um, which he has made a lot of uh, progress with in terms of rehab. He's walking again, which is great to see. He was such a talented player during his time in the NFL. And obviously, even though he was able to rehab it somewhat to the point where he can walk again, um, it became a realization that he'll never be able to play football again, uh, especially at an NFL level. Um, you know, By the time he, he – you know, he's, he's still rehabbing to this day, obviously. And by the time he, he even gets – if he does get to the point where he's ready to compete at an NFL level, his age is going to be far, far past his prime, um, and it's just it's never going to work out for him, unfortunately. Uh, really sad to see because Ryan Chazier is definitely one of my favorite players on the defensive side during his time in the NFL. Really fast uh, interior linebacker, um, played great for the Steelers. was was a key part of that defense for for White's uh, for his years there. Um, and it's kind of sad to see his career officially end, but I think it's one that we all saw coming. Uh, congrats to Ryan Shazier on a great career, and I hope he continues to progress in his uh, rehabilitation. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt. I mean, he, he had to quit at this point. You can't just get paralyzed like that and come back to the game you know, in your prime ages. It's not going to happen. But I just want to take the time you know, to acknowledge you know, what an inspiration he was. You know, He got hurt like that. Everyone's saying, of course, he's not going to play again. I think everyone knew that. But, I mean, that, that guy was totally, you know, he was totally undaunted in his, his his desire to return. He did took every step necessary. He he was walking again within like six months. I I don't even know how that happened. He just tried so hard. Unfortunately, didn't work. But I think everyone should look at that story and be inspired by what he accomplished, even if he couldn't return to the field. 
hundred percent. And just like I, as if you guys have read some of my, my favorite quote on um on our, our Instagram page, which Brian has put up for like the creators. Um, Mike Singletary essentially is my favorite quote. He essentially says like, if you do everything right, you kind of live life with no regrets. And uh, you know, I think Ryan Shazier can definitely say that that he did everything he could to make it back into the NFL. And he couldn't, and he, he can't live with any regrets. Like, he did everything he could, everything that was in his hands. So, um, so it's definitely inspiring. I think every, yeah, I'm, I don't even know what to say about how he did what he did. It's just, he, he should have no shame or anything, what, even if he couldn't get back to the game. It was never going to happen, but he, he went above and beyond what was expected of him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, moving on from there, Akeem Tlaib retired from the NFL. A uh, little less of a story here, you know, to leave 34. He was a five-time Pro Bowler. Uh, I think he's pretty much known for his time on the Broncos during their their seasons with uh, Peyton Manning, uh, you know, that 2015 de- uh, defense when they won the Super Bowl. Uh, really talented corner throughout his time. Um, he had 35 intercept- interceptions during his career, during his 13-year career. Um, hats off to Keith Lee, great career. Uh, you know, congrats to him. I hope he has a good retirement. Um, so moving on from there, uh, just going over a couple of little more extensions we have. Dalvin Cook got a five-year, $63 million extension. Uh, pr- pretty good amount of money there, but, you know, Cook's uh, Dalvin Cook did have a really oh. good season last year. Uh, five-year, $63 million, it is a quite quite a sum of money. As I talked to running backs in the NFL, they're kind of expendable. Um, that's why I think the Titans did a really good job. I think they found, like, the Titans in particular found a really good middle ground for Derrick right. Henry in terms of what to pay him uh, to make sure they keep him on the roster. And I don't feel like the, the Vikings really overpaid Dalvin Cook here by too much. Five years, $3 million. You know, it's, fun. It's, it's a little bit on the expensive side, but, um, you know, it makes him the sixth highest paid running back. But I'd say, you know, him being the sixth highest paid running back, I feel like that's equivalent to his play. Like, he is probably a top five running back in the NFL right now. Um, you know, top five, top ten. So that, that about fits the bill there. And it ensures that the Vikings have a solid running back like Dalvin Cook on the roster for quite some time. I like the extension. Yeah, it's not a bit on the high faith for me. The length is a bit long. The the money also a little bit, but honestly, I think it's a good move. If you really look at this Vikings roster, you, people don't really talk about it, but this team is honestly about championship caliber. I think everywhere on this team, you can, I mean, they the good running back, good the offensive lines getting better. The um, they have good receivers, good tight end Kyle Rudolph. Their defense is good. It's just you know, the quarterbacks, obviously, their weakness. Kirk Cousins, known as guy who's still not great enough, really elevated team. But I mean, I think if they're gonna want to win, they need to extend Cook because. If, you, if they don't have a whole team around Cousins, they're not going to win. But with that, people aren't going to talk, but I think that team is more of a chance to win than people think they do. I agree with you. Yeah, I think Dalvin Cook's going to be a major part of that offense going forward. And they have a pretty solid roster there. It's like, can they put it together? And can um, Kirk Cousins get him over the top? I, just mm-hmm, don't, exactly. I don't know about that. Exactly. Yeah, Kirk Cousins, he's he's kind of like those, I'd say, like Matt Stafford's of the NFL, those middle-tier quarterbacks that sometimes they have really good games, sometimes they have really bad games, but... They're franchise starting quarterbacks, but they really don't add to the team. They're kind of just there to, to fill their role, which, you know, in the era that we're in right now, having a quarterback that can really lead the team, really put the team over the top, has shown to be what's successful. Um, so moving on from there, we have the New Orleans Saints. They signed Alvin Kamara to another five-year, $75 million contract, very similar to Dalvin Cook, you know, Dalvin Cook, 25, Alvin Kamara, 25. Uh, you know, with this one is a little bit more money, five-year, $75 million. Um, for this for this signing in particular, you know, I think Alvin Kamara's a good running back, but the fact that it is seventy five million dollars, and with the fact that Drew Brees is set to retire most likely after this year, I am not a fan of this signing. And people may disagree with me here, 
because they think Alvin Kamara is a good running back. But I just think the money's putting the money into a running back when you're going to have a, a quarterback switch over and most likely a rebuild happening within the next year or two. Because that same that same team is pretty solid. You know, Michael Thomas obviously uh, top two, top three receiver in the NFL uh, interchangeably with like Hopkins, maybe Julio Jones, whoever you want to put up there. But um, you know, obviously a lot of talent there on, you know, on the defensive side. They have a good, good couple corners, Mark Slattermore. Um, Cameron Jordan on the D end, but I think that roster is kind of thin, you know, and I think it's kind of held together by Drew Brees. I think that once Drew Brees retires, that if they don't have an immediate quarterback solution uh, right after he retires, I think this, the Saints might want to look to going into a rebuild and having all that money tied into a running back mm, is probably not optimal for that, um, especially when you can save that money to pay talent elsewhere and then get, draft a running back. I think that probably be the good move there in terms of if you're going to look for a rebuild. Um, you know, I think the money is a little bit too expensive, and I just don't think it's a good fit for the Saints if they are looking to, to go into a rebuild fairly soon. I see what you're saying, and the money is a little expensive, but I actually do like this contract because I think, you know, like the Vikings, it's a situation where, you know, they've, I think keeping Kamara or not keeping him is the difference between them becoming a contender and not. You know, I think Drew Brees, I believe he signed for two years this, um, this past offseason, so he's going to be around next year as well. You know, um, I think next year they could take in the draft. They could take a chance potentially to trade up and get a quarterback, and you know they they can have a solution there if if he learns of the Drew Brees. So I think this one, I, I actually like this contract. I think it's a good move, and if they if they can get an immediate solution, which, which would be tough, but if they can get one, I think this will help be worth it for them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes sense. Um, so moving on from there, we have uh, Cooper Cup. He signed a three year extension with the Rams. Um, worth up to $48 million. Uh, pretty good extension there. You know, I think Cooper Cup's a really solid wide receiver. I think for the price you're going to get him for, um, is pretty solid. You know, he's a, he's the best receiver on the Rams, and he, he I think he's really underrated, honestly. The numbers he's put up and the talent he has over this past, like, let's say, like, three-year span, pretty much since the Rams went to the Super Bowl against the Patriots, Cooper Cup has, has like, been a really good wide receiver for the Rams and also in terms of the NFL. Uh, so keeping him on the roster is pretty big. Um, you know, I think for the right price, I think it's a pretty solid move. Yeah, I like this one, too. In a situation where we both agree that the Rams, you know, they, they should go into a rebuild, but they can't at all. They're stuck with what they have, so they might as well do what they can to win. And you know, having a couple on the roster does that. And he's, a, again, I, I agree he's a good receiver, so I, I think it's a good move by them. Mm-hmm. And with that being said, that wraps up everything else around the NFL. Um, obviously, pretty long segment, but we're going to move into the games now. Uh, you know, huge week for the NFL this week. Um, so, going through a quick rundown through the games. Uh, the week started off with the Chiefs and Texans. Uh, to me, no surprise here. The Chiefs take it thirty-four to twenty. Um, Patrick Mahomes played pretty well. Uh, Deshaun Watson uh, somewhat struggled. I think the Texas team just struggled in general. Uh, the talent on that team, I don't think, is anywhere near what the Chiefs have. Obviously. And Bill O'Brien's not that great of a coach. I don't expect the Texans to have an incredible year this year. All the any success they have is strictly on the back of uh, Deshaun Watson, and then I guess partially on JJ Watt if he's able to remain healthy. Outside of that, I think that roster's pretty thin. I think the coaching's kind of bad. So, uh, you know, difficult situation there in Houston. But uh, Chiefs take the the game one of the NFL season. Yeah, I'm with you there. I mean, no surprise that game. Chiefs obviously the better team. And I thought it personally thought it'd be a higher scoring game. I thought both teams would get above thirties. That didn't happen, obviously. You know, the Chiefs defense, one thing I didn't take into account is they're obviously they're honestly better than 
people give them credit for. You know, they had that game. They had Chris Jones, who was their best player on def- on defense. Frank Clark, and then even Tyron Matthew was there making plays for them. So they they have they honestly have more of a more of a complete team than you think with Mahomes. They're going to be definitely one of the best teams in the league again. You, you could talk about the Super Bowl hangover, but I think that that team is honestly just way too talented to not have a really good year. And no surprise in that game, the Chiefs are the better team all around on the field, on the sidelines, everywhere you look. So it's not any surprise. Mm-hmm. 100% agree. Um, so moving on from there, the next game that I have up on my list is going to be the Raiders-Panthers. The Raiders took this one 34-30. Uh, I would say, honestly, surprising game here, but at the same time, not. Like, neither of these teams really stand out as contenders or even maybe playoff teams this season. Uh, the Panthers, obviously, just picking up Matt Rule and then uh, Teddy Bridgewater. That team is in a transition state. Uh, Christian McCaffrey had a pretty good game, which was expected. Uh, but on the Raiders' side, I thought, you know, they had Henry Ruggs performed really well for his first game in the NFL. And then Josh Jacobs had an incredible game, uh, three touchdowns for him. Did really well for my fantasy team, so that was exciting. Uh, but the Ra- Raiders take this one 34-30. Uh, you know, I think it's a relatively even matchup here. I don't think either of these teams stand out as, as really good teams. Um, and they're both kind of in transition states because obviously the Raiders are, are you know, looking to, to maybe switch up a quarterback at some point because, you know, they did sign Mariota in the offseason. Uh, right now they have Derek Carr playing, but, uh, you know, who, who knows? If, if, the, if the Raiders go on a, a successful run, they'll probably keep Carr. If they don't, you might see Mariota take the starting spot. Yeah, I, this is a tough game to predict. I thought one of the tougher games of the week because I think both teams are pretty mediocre. You're not gonna, I don't think either one's going to make the playoffs. I picked the Panthers personally because I thought they had the star power of McCaffrey. I think he's the best player on either team. And I thought that would put him over the top. Plus, the Raiders also have that um, quarterback controversy with Derek Hart really being on the hot seat. But, you know, but then... Both teams played well offensively. Josh Jacobs had a really good game, so that helped him out too. So, I mean, this one could have gone either way, but I mean, it was tough to predict. So, I don't think that, eh, this, that game was honestly about what we expected, I thought. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, so, moving on from there, we have the Eagles and the team in Washington, the football team in Washington. Uh, Washington takes this 27-17. to 17. Um, To me, it's probably the biggest upset of the week. Uh, Washington played extremely well under Ron Rivera. I think his coaching is really the difference here with Washington. Um, you know, Ryan Kerrigan had a pretty good game for them. Uh, he's getting good use out of his veteran talent. You know, I think the Washington just played really well, especially on the, de- the defensive side. I think Ron Rivera really coached his team well in the offseason, despite his short time being there and his cancer, um, his cancer diagnosis. This Washington team looks really good out the gate. Will that s- success last? I honestly don't know. It never does with Washington if it does. Um, the Giants lose tonight. You know, Washington will be first place in the NFC East, which is, uh, pretty rare rare anomaly you know i still expect washington to be towards the bottom end bottom end of teams but uh you know 27 to 17 win over the eagles is no big is is not a joke at all um and on the eagles side it's 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 just like i feel like the eagles have been in the state a year after year now where it's uh i believe like nine of their starters are injured right now um and it's only week one and then when you look at what happened to Carson Wentz on the offensive side he was sacked eight times during that game and he, he escaped other sacks, too. So we're talking, essentially, the, the Eagles' offensive line giving up a double-digit sack game. And that's just not going to be acceptable down the line if the Eagles want to continue, want to win games. Um, you know, I think, you know, if they get some players back from injury, which is sad because it's only week one, um, I think their wide receiver core definitely improved over this past past offseason between Rager and Sean, you know, drafting Rager, getting Sean Jackson back, which was their biggest problem over the past year. Um 
And I also think their offensive line is also having trouble right now um, with the fact that, you know, you had Lane Johnson out for this week for the Eagles. Uh, they do, they moved Jason Peters over to, I believe, right guard. Um, and they, I, I forget who they drafted last year, but he's starting on Andre left Dillard. now. Yeah, the, Wait, the, the Andre Dillard's yeah. injured, what am I talking about? Is he, is he also as well? Yeah, I, I feel yeah. like this Eagles team is, is already yeah, the, injured. The, the, the two injuries I really thought were the most critical were Lane Johnson and Andre Dillard. Those mm, so, yeah, so they're, they're having injuries already on the offensive line and showed. And then on the defensively, they kind of fell apart. Um, the Eagles secondary just not performing well. Um, it, I don't know. It, it's kind of tough to see. And I think it's partially – I watched the film on it. Um game yesterday and this little piece uh, about like Darius Slade that he you know he's really good on, on press man on man and the, the Eagles acquired Darius Slade this offseason uh, you know really good corner in the NFL and they're not a, he's really good in press to press man and they played him off the ball a lot of the times you know 10 yards off the ball and he was getting beat on, on you know, like slants and little in routes and it just seems like they're not using their defensive players to the best of their ability um, you know, the Eagles definitely got to figure it out because to me, like the Eagles and the Cowboys are obviously the best teams in the NFC East and Washington's way down there. And I don't think, uh, what game like that's acceptable. If I was an Eagles fan, I'd be really mad. And I think the Eagles themselves know they can do better. Um, surprising win there. Yeah. Honestly, I think this game says more about the, the Eagles than it does Washington because if you look at this Washington team, I think we all agree they're really awful with the drama they have. They're uncertain about Dwayne Haskins. They don't have a very good roster. You know, this is a team that I thought would only win one game this year. And now they, if they win one more game, then they're, they're doing better than I predicted. But anyway, it's like, you know, the, the, the Eagles were even doing well at the beginning of the game. They're up 17-0, looks like they're cruising. And then Carson Wentz throws a bad pick. And then, you know, he has the opportunity to come out. You know, they obviously if they lose points for the half. He can come out and shake it off, but he doesn't at all. Of course, the offensive line did him no favors, giving up six sacks. And I remember he... Um, Zach Ertz dropped a critical pass on a fourth down that played a key role. But, you know, when you look at Wentz, he did not make it a case that he really was going to improve over the course of this game. It's not really anything you can – I mean, it's hard to defend him at this point because when you look at him, he didn't play well in the second half at all. And it's just me – that just shows that this guy's confidence is completely shot. And it, it just seems that at this point, it, he just needs to be on another team to jumpstart his career. He's not doing well – in Philly, and he did well before the injury, but the combination of that, the expectations, the pressure on him—it it looks like it's getting to him at this point. I, I think just think a fresh start would be good. Might be good for him. Obviously, it's going to be really, really tough, if not impossible, for the Eagles to get rid of him with his contract, which has not even begun, and it will not until next year. They're not going to swallow that much money in dead cap, most likely. And, and there's going to be—I I can't imagine any team wanting to take a chance on him. But it's it just—I don't have to say. He, I thought. I excuse him for last year because the injuries they had. I thought there's no chance that team could be as injured as they were last year, and they're still not. You know, that team, the way they were injured last year was it was really just tough to watch. And Carson Wentz still carried him to a nine seven record. Maybe that was more coaching than him, but anyway, it's just worth the point now. Or if not, if we haven't been before, we're, we're I think the Eagles are at a crossroads. Do they just do they continue to trust in the guy in whom they invested so much in, or do they just? declare the, exper- the experiment a failure and re- release them if they have to just to just to just end things. I don't even know at this point. Um, yeah, I think it's, it's definitely notable that Carson Wentz had a bad game yesterday. Where I think last year it was, I don't, I think Carson Wentz performed pretty well last year. And I think, you know, it was a little bit of the injury. I would say it's most likely the injuries that held him back. But yesterday, you know, beyond the eight sacks, Carson Wentz also did not have a good game. 
Um, and that's, you know, the Eagles are definitely not going to win with everything going on. Our Carson Wentz isn't playing up to his best ability and, and towards the ability that we saw when he almost had his MVP season before his injury. Um, so moving on from there, we have our next game. We have the Seahawks Falcons. Uh, the Seahawks took a 38 to 25. Uh, to me, there's not really a story here. Uh, you know, the Falcons played pretty well, but they're just not comparable to the Seahawks. You know, Russell Wilson had a great game. Um, I think he, I feel like he had a lot of more freedom in terms of play calling this year from watching the film. Um, and it seems like, you know, Russell Wilson had a good game, obviously. And I think that Seahawks defense played pretty well, too. Uh, you know, being able to acquire Jamal Adams is pretty big for them. I think that defense uh, is, is one of the better defenses we've seen from the Seahawks in the past couple of years since the end of the Legion of Boom. Uh, pretty interesting Seahawks team so far. Um, you know, yeah. I, I like Pete Carroll as a coach, and I, I have I have good feelings about the Seahawks team for, uh, after yesterday's game. You know, honestly, I'm not really that surprised Seahawks won big. You know, I thought it was expected. They're you know, obviously they're a contender. The Falcons have just gone downhill since the infamous 28-3 game. I thought they should have made some major changes to their um, sideline last year, including firing Dan Quinn. They did not. I think that shows in this game. Something that should be noted, though, Matt Ryan just threw over 400 yards. So, like that, your statement that Seahawks had a great game defensively, I don't, I don't really agree with because they got torched. So, I, that's something to watch out for. Is their defense really gonna? Is their team that's going to cost them in later games where other teams are just are better? Yeah, that's also true. Yeah, Matt Ryan did have a good game. I guess I was talking more particularly about like Jamal Adams and Bobby Wagner. Right. Yeah, um, Jamal Adams played a great game. Yeah, but you know the Seahawks defense again, it's. I think it's interesting because if they can put it all together, they can be really good. Uh, when you have players like Jamal Adams, practically one of the best safeties in the league, as well as Bobby Wagner, but they are thin. Um, obviously, they're not the team that they quite were. Uh, they're they're pretty thin everywhere else besides that. Um, so it's like, can they play behind Jamal Adams and Bobby Wagner, or or is it so thin that like teams can avoid them essentially and do what Matt Ryan did? Right. Um, so it should be interesting to see whether they can put it together or not. Uh, moving on from here, we had the Bills and the Jets. For me, no surprise here. Uh, the Bills won 27-17. Uh, you know, our Bills, to me, like best defense in the NFL. Josh Allen had a really good game. Um, I think the Bills are going to win the division this year, and I think they, they have a really good shot at winning a Super Bowl if they can put it all together. Um, you know, Josh Allen is going to have to perform to his best ability and really take a step up in his, his third year now. And I think that the Bills' defense, I think, speaks for itself. Uh, no surprise to you that the Jets lost. Um, on the Jets' side of things, I think that, that the team is just a mess right now. Brian, I want to hear it, but that team is an absolute mess. Um, Le'Veon Bell's out for a couple weeks, who is pretty much, I feel like, the only talent they really have left on that team. Um, really dire situation for the New York Jets, in my opinion. And I think the Bills, again, I think they're a sleeper team, but I think they have a really good shot at winning the Super Bowl this year. Yeah, I agree with what you're saying. One thing I want to focus on, though, about Josh Allen is, like, we're going to have to see still more improvement from him. I remember yesterday watching the game. It was, uh, it was like, goal-to-go situation. I think at the one or two-yard one, one or two yard line and of the Jets, and they just had – and John Brown was standing in the end zone, no one within a six-foot radius of him. And Allen just completely skies it, incomplete pass, and that's just kind of thing. That's an easy – that's an easy pitch and catch, and he just couldn't get it done. And if you're not going to make those basic throws, I don't know how you can be expected to lead a team to Super Bowl. So, like, he's got to – that's just one play. But if he – if again, it's a recurring issue for him. He needs to work on his accuracy. And if not, that I, I don't see that team winning the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. I agree. Like, he – Josh Allen, I think, since I the league, like, his talent has superseded him. It's like his football play that has not been at, at the level of you would expect, you know, somebody of the best of the best in the NFL would have. So – what I mean by that is, like, he's had more rushing – he's had 
more rushing, I believe, touchdowns than Saquon Barkley, which is pretty incredible. Um, you know, it's just a testament to his running ability. And we all, I, can, I think we all can say Josh Allen's throwing ability is there. That man can throw darts. He can probably throw harder than anybody else in the NFL and probably farther than anybody else in the NFL. You know, he's competing with the likes of Patrick Mahomes and Matt Stafford there. Um, so it's all about, like, can he make the right reads, as you said, and make sure he gets those throws down when they need to be. Um, it's going to be a big factor in terms of the offense moving forward because I think, that, again, that defense is pretty solid. Right. I have a few things to say about the Jets. Um, so, uh, I mean, last year when we were going through the football stuff, I remember saying that this this next year for Sam Darnold was going to be basically my breaking point in terms of how I felt about Sam Darnold. And I said that um, if Sam Darnold doesn't prove anything this year, he's going to go down to me as one of those players who has the talent to be really good but just can never do it. Uh, other players that come to mind with that is Noah Syndergaard for the Mets. He's a player that everyone talks about. is going to be this really great guy. He has the abilities to become elite, and he just never does. Um, Sam Darnold didn't get off to a good start this year, obviously. Um, he really couldn't get the Jets going offensively. I don't know if that's just because he really has no one on that offense to throw to. I mean, he has some guys, but they're not anywhere. They don't have the talent for him to really get good receptions going and get the offense moving. But that also comes down to having a viable quarterback. And so far, he hasn't really proved anything really to me through his career thus far. And I think if it continues the way that it just started, I want the Jets to find a different quarterback coming next year. And I know that's probably surprising for a lot of Jets fans because Sam Darnold's supposed to be the guy that finally is the quarterback for the Jets. But once again, it's seeming like he's not going to be. I will say, though, you know, that we, we want, obviously, you guys want Sam Darnold to perform better, and he should. But I think when the before you, um, they, they declare Darnold a bust, I think they need to look at the coaching staff, you know, because Darnold had a he showed promise in his rookie year. Then last year, when they hired Adam Gase, they didn't do well. I think Adam Gase is a terrible coach, and he, ever since being in Miami, he's not proven himself at all to be what people expect him to be. And he just, yeah, he, he's just terrible. And it, I don't think Darnold's going to realize his potential until Adam Gase is fired and they bring in someone else who can lead him. So I think that's, I think that's a starting point, in my opinion. That is true, uh, but. I mean, they just have to get their situation straight. If they want right. to find a good quarterback, then stick to quarterback. But, I mean, right. everything yeah, should really come together if you're a viable organization, but they are not. So. Right. Yeah, I understand agree with Max. I've been saying that for, I think, about two years now since they hired him. Basically, <laughs> he's the wrong guy. Um, it just makes a lot of sense to, I think, get a different coach. That would probably have outstand Arnold. But one game into the season, you know, I'd give him at least eight, eight games to see what Sam yeah. Darnold's really made up and what this Jets team's really made up. It's just not be me team. being a pessimistic fan. But. Yeah. Um, so moving on from there, we had the Colts-Jaguars. Um, this game was really interesting with the, the turmoil and the, the dumpster fire the Jaguars franchise has been. They went, they find a way to win in game one. Um, and I think it ultimately relies on two things, right? Looking at the Jaguars roster, Gardner Minshew's the real deal. Um, I think he's been since last year. Uh, he, I think he threw, but he threw 19 for 20. He had a really good game. Um, I, I was really smooth with his footwork in the pocket. It seems like he improved from last year. Uh, I think, you know, Garner Minshew is a very viable quarterback in this NFL. Um, and it's unfortunate that the Jaguars roster and franchise is so, is so bad in comparison. Um, it's really sad to see. And you wish that Garner Minshew would, would have hopped into a better situation. But I think Garner Minshew is really the, the, sh the shiny gem out of that, that 
uh, pilot dirt that is the Jaguars franchise right now. Um, but on the other side of things, I think the Colts, uh, you know, they're in a really tough situation. I really think the Colts are just, um, you know, I think they need a little bit of work on defense, obviously. But I think on, in terms of offense, I think they're really just like one solid quarterback away from, from winning. I don't think Philip Rivers really is the answer for them, especially long term. Um, I think they're really that 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 you know quarterback that can really bring a spark to the team away from being able to win a significant amount of games. Yeah, I, I'm with you. What you said, I don't. I didn't think Philip Rivers was the answer even going into the year. The way he played last year wasn't good. He aged at all. He's caught up, caught up to him. I don't know. I mean, I I can see why the Colts thought they they had a chance to win with him. I just didn't think it was possible. You know, with the way he looked decline last year. And he, he didn't make his case at all yesterday. But Gardner mentioned on the other hand, he's looking like one of the more efficient quarterbacks in the league. He, I believe he was like 18 for 20 passing. I mean, if he can keep that up, no matter no matter how you know, talented per se he is, if he can keep those numbers up, he, I mean, he'll do well. It's just a matter of sustainability, I think, at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think that like Gagwar's goals came pretty self-explanatory, pretty simple there. Uh, the numbers show it between Gardner Minshew and then the Colts, obviously, Phil Burr's not being the answer. Uh, moving on from here, really interesting game for me. Uh, it was the Bears versus Lions. Uh, the Bears took it twenty-seven to twenty-three. This is probably in terms of like the actual game. Uh, this is probably the most interesting game of the week. Uh, the Lions, you know, did pretty well, I would say, against the Bears. I believe in the first half, but the Bears absolutely dominated the game towards the second half of the game. Um, Mitch Trubisky, I think he threw for like three hundred yards with no picks and a couple touchdowns. Uh, you know, the, the Lions made Mitch Trubisky look like the favorite for MVP, which is pretty sad because Mr. Trubisky has, like, has definitely proven at this point that he is not a great quarterback. I feel like this game's a fluke, number one, for Mitch Trubisky. Number two, I think on the Lions side, um, you know, DeAndre Swift made that catch. If you guys haven't seen that game, uh, pretty much Matt Stafford hits uh, DeAndre Swift on a little, I would say, I don't even know what kind of route it was, but it was just a little up and out route um, to the corner of the end zone for DeAndre Swift. He was wide open with six seconds off on the clock and DeAndre Swift dropped, dropped the game-winning touchdown. Um, I'm sure the entire Lions team was disappointed in him, but they also understood because he has a rookie, they're not going to say too bad at him. Yeah, um, honestly. Oh, but sorry, I think, that one, yeah, one last thing. I just think the Lions, um, they're 0-1 right now, but I think if this continues, Matt Patricia has to go. Great defensive coordinator for the Patriots, but I think, as I said in the past, he just has not been the answer there in Detroit, and his teams have, have not wanted anything at all. I believe his record is something like 9-25 and since getting to Detroit. Uh, not a good record, and the team has not looked like it's improved at all since it being there. And this continues, fire Matt Patricia. Yeah, I believe I said this on the, I believe I might have said this on the podcast last week, and I'll say it again. You know, the Lions, I think, are have a terrible direction with the way they're headed. You know, I, it's like I said, they just look like they are a copycat version of the Patriots, supposed to forming their own identity. And you know, I think we saw yesterday a perfect example of a team that has terrible direction. The head. The head coach is terrible, I think. they At the beginning of the fourth quarter, they had a um, 98% chance to win that game. And you let the Chicago Bears offense out by Mitch Trubisky. I don't care how weak your defense is. The fact that you let them back into the game, not only back into the game, but win it, that, that's just inexcusable. That that It's a total choke job. And, and you know, despite the drop by DeAndre Swift, that's, he's not, I don't think he's the main guy you can blame for the loss. I just think it's a total team effort. You know, I don't know how you blow lead that bad to an offense that bad, it, it just blows my mind. I, Matt Patricia, clearly, like I keep saying, not the guy there. And I think that it's just time for this team to finally give up. Get Start fresh. Get uh, Honestly, get a new owner at this point because they've just been a laughing stock for years now. They just need to 
just complete fresh start in my opinion. It just I don't even know what to say about this organization anymore. Uh, yeah, pretty dire for Detroit. Um, so moving on from there, we have the Patriots and Dolphins. Um, on the Dolphins side, you know, I'm not, I'm, I don't expect too much of the Dolphins this year. I think they're one of those teams that's building, right? They got they had a ton of draft picks this past season. They have a lot of young talent. Um, obviously, two is not starting yet um, because a coronavirus and he didn't have that much time to repair. B, he's probably still a little wonky with that injury. Um, you know, it's, it's said that he's fully recovered, but why put him into a bad situation? Um, you know, if he's not ready for it, either mentally or physically. Um, but I like, I think there's a lot of problems with the Dolphins with, a lot of, with how much young talent they have. On the Patriots side, I have to say the Patriots are probably one of my favorite teams this year. They're just so interesting, obviously, with Tom Brady gone uh, and Gronk uh, going to the Buccaneers. It should be really interesting to see, you know, how the Patriots do with Cam Newton, that quarterback. And, you know, through game one, they kind of used Cam Newton exactly how I thought they would have. Uh, a lot of movement in and out of the pocket. Uh, a lot of quarterback runs, you know, taking advantage of what Cam Newton has to offer. That's something that I expected out of Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick, and we see it through game one. Um, with the 21-11 win, you know, I don't think it's that convincing. Uh, the Dolphins not being a great team right now. But, you know, I think they're just – they're such an interesting team with all the with all the talent they've had opted out. Chief Marcus Cannon, um, uh, I believe Dante Hightower. Uh, you know, I think – I believe the McCourties are out. So it's just, you know, there's, there's so much talent out on the team from last season. And Cam Newton's such an interesting fit there that I think that team is just such a team to watch. They're just so interesting. I have no clue what they're going to end up in. Like, my preseason prediction for them is going to be like 9-7. and seven. That was probably your 8-8, eight and eight, you know, somewhere around there. But who knows? With Bill Belichick, uh, Cam Newton looked pretty, pretty good uh, game one. Yeah, I thought Cam was really fun to watch in that game. You know, he... He looked pretty good on the ground, kind of like he did in his days of Carolina. And I think this is a game that I expected the Patriots to win. It's pretty fairly low-scoring game. They um, they kept the Dolphins' um, offense in check, that they were able to do the job. And you know, I think I I don't I think they're I don't even know if I think they just seem some. There's probably some people out there saying how the Patriots are now think they're going to be just fine and go to full contention. I'm not going to say that. Let's not overreact here. They beat a pretty bad team, I think, and they only they didn't beat them that convincingly. So I think I, I have my prediction for them as eight and eight. I think they can they'll definitely win some games. So let's not go out and say that the Patriots are gonna be like they were with Tom Brady. They're just not going to be. Yeah, I understand. I agree. Um, so moving on from there, we had the Ravens and Browns. Uh, that game was I would say I you know I, I think everyone expected the Ravens to win it, but they won thirty eight to six, which is a huge W. Um, yeah, on the Ravens side, I don't think there's any surprising Lamar Jackson had a good game. Offense put up a lot of points. Defense played pretty well. But the Browns, just it's a little disappointing. It's you know it's year three for Baker Mayfield, number one overall pick. He had such a good rookie year, um, and he just has not performed up to the level that he needs to. You know, six points is not acceptable um, for for a Browns team. I think is so talented. I think they have so much talent on that roster, um, and they just they need to win more games. I don't know if it's a coaching thing. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with this Browns team at this point because obviously they switch coaches this year. Maybe they need still need more time to work out the offense, but you know, six to thirty-eight is a huge loss. I do expect better out of the Browns and out of Baker Mayfield. It's just a tough loss for the Browns. You know, going into yesterday's game, I thought it was an opportunity for the Browns to prove themselves. You know, it was showing that last year was a fluke that was just bad coaching. I had my preseason prediction for them at nine and seven because I was cautious because it's the Browns. But at the same time, I thought if they had a half a better, if they had a half decent coach and an off and a more competent offensive line, they were going to, that was at least going to be the four more wins. 
But I think a game like this, once again, just speaks to what a mess of rounds are from the top down. You know, I think like the Lions, they see the whole new vision for up top. Get rid they obviously can't get rid of the owner, but I think that's what needs to happen if they're gonna be good again. You know, it's just one of those things that if you're Jimmy Haslam, you can't fire your coach and executives every two or three years. You're not gonna build contender. You have to be willing to commit. And it, we're just seeing again, you know, the Browns just just go into this cycle every couple of years and it's just never gonna work. You know, you you can criticize guys like Baker Mayfield all you want, but is he really the issue here? I don't think so at all. He's not making, I'm not saying he's making his case that he's a great quarterback. He's not proven that yet, but it's just, you're not going to, this team's not going to win with any sort of talent or any players. It, it's going to have to be a completely new vision, I think, for the top down. I'm not saying, I'm not going to go, I'm going to go and say their season's done. They can still do better. The Ravens are a really good team. They have, they have a lot of pieces of the gel, and they had, the you know, offseason was obviously wacky but it, it's just it's just disappointing again for a team that always just disappoints uh yeah as you said i think it's like this, this is coming probably coming from an owner this is a problem with ownership uh the browns have been so bad for so long and they've gone through so many quarterbacks and so many coaches and so many gms at what point are you going to stick to something and, and you know find something that works um you know i, I don't i forget what they signed i keep forgetting what they signed for the coach but it, King is an offensive coordinator for, but I'm just, I'm never a huge fan of like offensive coordinators, especially if they're not overly talented or overly well known um, to become head coaches for like in terms of like a long term solution. You know, it's like a, it's kind of like a high level thing that you're going there. I just don't know if the coach situation is one that they're going to have long term. I, I just, yeah, I think they need like the right, the perfect coach to really make this team work. And I think if they do find that coach, this team could be absolutely incredible. You got to find something. Mm -hmm. um, so moving on from there, we have the Packers and Vikings. This one was pretty much a slugfest. Uh, Packers won at forty-three to thirty-four. Aaron Rodgers had four over four touchdowns last year. Pretty good game uh, last year. Uh, throughout the game yesterday, uh, pretty good game for him. Devontae Adams had a good game. Uh, Packers firing on all cylinders right out the gate. Uh, Packers look like they're ready to do something, and the Vikings also on the other hand, I think they played a pretty good game too. You know, this was a fun one. Um, you know, the Packers edge of the map, but I thought the Vikings, especially offensively, were pretty good. That defense is definitely going to need to work on, on everything, um, especially, you know, their pass defense. If they're going to want to be able to compete this year, you know, with the departure of Xavier Rhodes, um, Everson Griffin, you know, they definitely lost some talent over this past year. Uh, but their offense are pretty good with putting up 34 points. Um, I believe it was Jefferson from, uh, from LSU. He looks pretty good. Uh, so, you know, I just... Really interesting game. They're pretty much an offensive slugfest. Uh, if I'm the Vikings, I'm not too worried. The, you know, the Packers are probably the better team. And if I'm the Packers, you know, I'm pretty satisfied with the 43-34 win. I think that the Packers' defense is going to work. I think both defenses obviously need some work. But a uh, pretty interesting game. And you know, I think the Packers are the better team, so it makes sense. Uh, honestly, looking at this game, I was pretty disappointed in the Vikings. You know, I think this could be a situation that will point to saying, Oh yeah, Kirk Cousins can't be the team over 500, but I mean they put up 34 points. That defense, like I said, I thought this defense was borderline championship caliber. To give up 43 points after the gate, just really disappointing. And you know, and I honestly don't really agree with you when you say the Packers are the better team. I don't think they are. I thought they were overrated last year. You know, they in the regular season they got destroyed by the 49ers going through the playoffs. Same result. I thought they were not going to re respond very well. Because I thought. They were going to come back down to earth. I thought the Vikings were going to go in there and on, and win the game, but you know, for them to give up 43 points right out of the gate uh, is head scratching. And hopefully it's just a fluke. But I, 
I guess they, they got to figure something out there if they're going to compete for a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, 100%. Uh, both defenses need to work. But the Vikings are a pretty promising team when they put their entire roster together and they work well. It's just like, will they? Will they rally behind Kirk Cousins, who has been so far, as we talked about? Uh, moving on from there, we have the Chargers and Bengals. Uh, the Chargers wind up uh, edging out the Bengals 16-13. to uh, You know, Joe Burrow's first game in the NFL. I thought he had a pretty solid game. You know, definitely not coming out of the gates firing, but he had a nice rushing touchdown for the Bengals. Um, you know, I have a rookie quarterback. I don't think you could expect, you know, anything. You definitely could expect more out of Joe Burrow because he was such a talent in college last year. To me, he was like, you know, up there with Andrew Lux of the world where they just such a great prospect coming out of college. You could expect more. But I don't think you could be disappointed in Joe Burrow's play either. He's a rookie, first game, you know, short off season. Uh, solid game for Joe Burrow. Nothing spectacular, obviously. And on the Chargers side of things, um, you know, pretty solid win for them. You know, the Bengals are still not a great roster, so it's not it's not a huge win against a great team. Uh, but it is a sign that maybe Tyrod Taylor can win for them um, before they put in somebody like Justin Herbert. Yeah, I this game I definitely watched that closely, but I I was honestly kind of surprised that the score was as low as it was. You know, I neither I mean Bill Burrow's obviously young, and I, Tyrod Taylor was not great, but I think both both teams had enough weapons to score more points than that, and I. It was more, like that's more or less expected. I thought the Bengals actually would keep it fairly close, but the fact that it was only 16-13, it's a little bit surprising. Mm-hmm. Um, so moving on from there, we have the Bucks and the Saints. Um, so the, Buccaneer, the Buccaneers lost to the Saints 34-23. First game for Tom Brady was not great. That offense definitely needs some work. Um, you know, after this game, falls a lot on Brady. Brady threw with like two interceptions. Um, did not play well in his first game. Rob had... Gronk barely did anything offensively. Uh, the Saints, on the other hand, played pretty well against a pretty good Buccaneers team on paper. Um, Drew Brees played pretty well. Uh, overall, you know, the Saints offense is doing pretty well as well as defensively. Uh, good side for the Saints on the Bucks' hand, on the other hand. Uh, you know, Tom Brady has a lot to work on. I think that offense has a lot of – needs some time to gel and develop chemistry. And on the defensive side, I think that obviously the Buccaneers need to do better too. Um, I think that Buccaneers' defense is pretty solid when you look at – you know, I was looking at their team yesterday, and I'm like, wow, you know what? Defensively, this team's also really competitive as well. You know, I think their secondary needs some work, but looking at their interior linebackers between Levante Davis and Devin White, that's a pretty solid linebacker core. And then you go to the defensive line, I think this, really is, this team really shines defensively. You have Jason Pierre-Paul, who's you know still a borderline elite pass rusher in the NFL. But then you have the likes of Shaquille Barrett on the other side, who obviously led the NFL in sacks last year. Um, and then the interior, you have Domicon Sue who's you know, got some age on him, but I still think he's a pretty valid defensive tackle. And then you have Vita Vea, who has pretty good since he's got out of Washington. So I think there's a lot of promise with that defensive line there. Uh, but I think the secondary definitely, definitely has to pull it together um, you know, and, and follow the defensive line's lead. But on the offensive side, I think they obviously have to still build chemistry. That's going to be really important for the Buccaneers moving forward. Yeah, I think to start off, I think the defensive, the defense played a decent game. I thought, like you said, Devin White, Levante David in particular had – Really good games, but as far as the offense goes, you know, Brady did obviously didn't play the game you wanted to, not like people expected to. But I'm going to say let's not overreact here again because you know this is a new team he's on. Let's let's not forget he he's never played on another team this year. This is the first time he's ever had to make a switch, and in, a, in an off season like this where COVID really didn't allow them any practices or whatever, it, it's tough to build chemistry right out of the gate. I honestly think they're they're going to be fine. I think they're going to win. Probably at least nine, at least nine games, but um, 
not a great start, but let's not act like they're done. They're not. Yeah, I understand. I wouldn't say they're done. I just think chemistry is the season. Um, I just saw like Tom Brady has to do a lot more than different guys before in terms of like you know during his time with the Patriots, a lot of it was like the quick throws, and it seems like they're trying to replicate some of that with the Buccaneers over yesterday's game, but it just didn't click like they the Patriots. And it's not saying that he can't that that can't happen. It's just going to take a little bit more time. Um, it's probably a little bit more difficult for Tom Brady, you know, being in his 40s and number one, so they don't have the athletic ability to, to fly back on. It's not like he can run around and improvise when they need him to. Um, but I think secondary to that, you know, again, as you said, he's been playing with the same team for so long that, uh, you know, over 20, you know, 20 seasons in, it's kind of hard to make that switch and have it, you know, have the team break right off the bat. That's going to take some time to develop. Yep. Moving on from there, we have the Carls of 49ers, you know, sort of an upset here. Front 24 um, I think the 49ers, you know, they they still they're still recovering a little bit of a playoff hanger, a Super Bowl hangover, I'd say. You know, especially on the losing side. Um, I think the 49ers will recover. It's just going to take a little bit of time. I think that I think it's I think this game says less about the 49ers and honestly more about the Cardinals. Um, as I said, I think it's hard team after the Kyle Murray. They were kind of set like the offensive line improved a little bit. Uh, the wide receiver core is pretty incredible right now. Between DeAndre Hopkins, Gary Fitzgerald, whoever they want to sub in that, that third wide receiver spot, they have a really solid wide receiver core there. Um, on the defensive side, they just got Isaiah Simmons. Um, you know, Patrick Peterson's still there. Uh, you still got people like Chandler Jones. That Cardinals team has a ton of talent on it. Um, I think you know, the coaching is pretty good. I, I just really like this Cardinals team, and I think they're – uh, to me, right now, there's playoff. They're a playoff team this year. I don't know if they're Super Bowl contenders quite yet. I don't think they really are, but I think they're a playoff team this year. And look, I would say look out for the Cardinals. I think this is this is indicative of what's to come for them. Yeah, I also didn't think. Oh, are you still speaking? Sorry. No. <laughs> All right, sorry. Um, I was going to say like I, I thought it would be just be me on this um, on this um, with this opinion, but I kind of agree with you. And you know, I thought. I think this game says more about the Cardinals than the 49ers so, because um, I really do think the Cardinals are a much improved team, you know, with Kyler Murray taking taking the next step forward and that receiving core, especially with DeAndre Hopkins, is like one of the best in the league. And you know, for the 49ers, I think people are going to point to Super Bowl hangover a little bit. And, um, you know, it, it is enough. I, I thought the Cardinals could be closer than people thought. I didn't think they'd win it, but I'm not, I'm not as shocked as other people are. For the 49ers, I think they're going to be fine. But it's just a game where they got it's just a game where they got upset, and I think they'll bounce back. They'll have another good year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree too. I just you know Cliff Kingsbury and this, this Cardinals team with all the talent they have, it should be really. Um, so moving on from there, we have the last game that I was actually played. We have the Cowboys versus the Rams. You know, it didn't seem to click on as well as they had liked. You know, Zeke had a pretty good game. Barry Cooper played pretty well. Um, it just I don't I don't even know honestly what the specific issue is. It just didn't seem like everything clicked. Well, on the Rams side, you know, I think they, they played pretty well for said. I think they're a little bit la- they're lacking a little bit of talent right now. The talent they can Rams are in a tough situation, but if they can find a way to win, that's great. Um, and on the Rams side, I really do like Sean Bay as a coach. I pretty personally as a football mind, that's the way I would run my offense. I love I, to me like Keeping it simple so your, your your players understand it, and only picking a few formations to run out of, while simultaneously making sure that you, the plays that you do run out of those formations are run extremely well, 
and you could run various amount of plays out of the same formation to keep a defense on their toes. It's such an it's, it's it's probably like one of my favorite strategies in the NFL, and I really like the how Sean McVay runs runs the offense. Um, now the defensive side, obviously, Aaron Donald's just an absolute wrecking ball. Uh, had his one sack yesterday, but you gotta you gotta take that one sack with a grain of salt. And what what I mean by that is that he's getting dealt with the triple team every single play. One sack for him is absolutely incredible. Now if he keeps that up, uh, he's gonna have another dominant year, maybe defensive player of the year award coming in, but. Uh, really good play from Aaron Donald yesterday. Dylan uh, Ramsey, uh, you know, we talked about a little bit about him earlier that he got burned a little bit from Gallup, but he, he did show some promise. A couple plays on Amari Cooper. Uh, you know, and this game is kind of a probably the most controversial game of the week, as Max had alluded to before. On the last play of the game, pretty much, one of the few last plays of the game, Cowboys driving uh, down 17 to 1. They throw a, a deep pass over the top. Uh, they take one-on-one with Jalen Ramsey and uh, Michael Gallup. Michael Gallup beats him for a bad step. Um, sort of throws, I'd say, I, I, I wouldn't call it like a stiff arm, but extends a little bit. Jalen Ramsey takes a little bit of a flop. They call it pass interference. It's not challengeable this year. Um, pretty much ends the Cowboys' drive and the Rams win the game. Personally, I, I, I don't think it was pass interference. Um, while it seems like Michael Gallup, I would say three-fourths of the way extended, there's absolutely no push off there, right? There was some, there was contact, but it was the softest contact possible. Jalen Ramsey was. Um, I think the Rams deserved to win that one at the end of the day. I did expect the Cowboys to win that one going into it, but I think the Rams surprised me a little bit. Um, but overall, I, I, know, I don't really know what to say about this game because it was so close. Um, I don't really know what the issue was on the Cowboys side. I don't. Like, it's more of like a team loss than a pinpoint to one player. Uh, pretty interesting game, though. Yeah, I thought the Cowboys, they, I honestly was a little bit disappointed from, from an overall defensive standpoint. They were getting burned by the um, by the Rams on um, like short-range passes and a run game, which I thought was surprising considering they have a good defensive line and two good linebackers in Jalen Smith and Leighton Van Der Esch. I, I believe Van Der Esch ended up, ended up being hurt, but even with him in, they were still getting torched, in, especially in the beginning of the game. The one player of the Cowboys that really had a good game, which is really good to see, was Alden Smith. And as he turned back, he had several good plays, and he even got a um, he was a key factor in the interception that Jared Goff threw, which turned out to be a bad call because he hit Goff in the in the face mask, which should have been roughing the pass. But nonetheless, he was very disruptive in that play, and he had played a good game that night. And um, but again, that um, that call on um Jalen. On um, Jalen Ramsey, but not on Jalen Ramsey, on Michael Gallup, the offensive pass interference was soft, and I agree with Nick, it was not pass interference as we've already talked about. And um, overall, I thought the Cowboys really should have won this game, and they, I thought they did, did it themselves more, especially in the fourth quarter when Mike McCarthy had the chance to you know, take points and tie the game as a vote, but he went for it instead, and that ended up playing a key role in the loss. So, um, you know, it's, it's disappointing for the Cowboys. It kind of seems like they get undone by their own doing. I, I think they are more talented than the Rams. And like I said, if everything went right for them, which it should have, I thought they should have just they should have won that game. But you know it is it is what it is. Yeah, and I think uh the Marcus Lawrence in particular a lot of penalties early on from the Cowboys. And you're right about all the Smith it was Kevin overall pick in the two thousand draft I think this is a week cousin. Um hasn't really been in the league for a while. I think he's been out for like two three years he probably met Mike McCarthy at the event and kind of gave him a shot. And he played pretty well last night, which was promising to see. You know, all this was such a talented linebacker. 
early in his career in college. So it's nice to be back. Though he is age, I'll grab a college game. Uh, final two games of the week played tonight. We have the Giants and the Steelers. Uh, I'm going to go with the Giants just because of the Giants fan, but I definitely see the Steelers being favored to win there. Um, don't know what the score would be. And then we have the Titans-Broncos. I think this is going to be a really good game. I think both the Broncos and the Titans are a pretty good team going into the season. Um, I honestly don't know who to pick for the favorite there, but I guess the Titans just for Max. Uh, should, should be an interesting game right there. I think the Titans-Broncos is probably going to be a better game. Unless the Giants can find a way to upset the Steelers, I think the Titans-Broncos game is going to... I think they're pretty evenly matched, honestly. And it should be a really good game. Yeah, I think the Steelers-Giants game is going to be a really low-scoring game because the Steelers defense is going to... I think definitely going to keep the Giants' offense in check. And I don't think the Steelers' offense is going to do a lot with Ben Roethlisberger at the helm. I think this is a... I don't think he's got much left in the tank anymore, especially after having elbow surgery last year and being 38 years old. And he was already starting to decline anyway. So I think... I think Steelers win. I think they have more talent, just a little more talent. But um, yeah, I think it's a close game. I think it's really close than people think. Bron- for the Broncos Titans, I think the I think the Titans are a better team on paper personally, and then they went to the AFC Championship. But I think the Broncos win this one tonight. I think that going into Denver Week One for um, opposing teams is a huge disadvantage because of the altitude, even with no fans being there, I think you know, being a mile um, above sea level plays a uh, enough of a role for them in hurting teams coming in for the beginning of the year, you know, despite, you know, the, how into it the crowd is. So I'm going to go with the Broncos. I could be wrong about both of these. I hope I'm wrong, especially about the Titans Broncos game, but I think that's what's going to happen tonight. Okay. Oh, anything? All right. That about, um, That wraps up the NFL for the week. So we have the NHL up next. All right, so moving into hockey, the, um, we're several games into the conference finals for both teams. So I'm going to start with the Stars and the Golden Knights. We have the Stars up 3-1 in the series. Game 5 is tonight. Stars have a chance to close it out, go to the Stanley Cup Finals. Now, In this series, the Knights have gotten a lot of pressure and possession in the um Stars zone, but they have really nothing to show for in this series. They only have three goals at this rank. That's a obviously a really bad number. And you know, obviously, obviously that hurts because they've gotten they have gotten a lot of you know pressure. I do think they're the better team on paper, but you know I think they could do better if they make a couple adjustments. Number one, I think they have to do a better job getting more bodies in front of the net. They did more of that against the Canucks in the final games of that series with a quick score. Nothing they really were nothing they were, they were doing bad. But I think this series, they're not really getting enough in front of Anton Hudobin, and especially with the Stars. They're playing, you know, super well on defense. They have a great formation, and, you know, no matter what, it seems like the Knights can never get, um, you know, any dirty goals, which is, um, um, you know, I think hurting them right now, because I don't think they're going to be the Stars just, you know, moving pucks through the zone. They're not just going to, I don't think they can just weave their way through the zone like a lot of teams are. So I think they, could, they have to do what they can to get more bodies in front. Another thing I think they could do is they could play more of a dump and chase game, you know, try to really beat the Stars in the floor check, take them out of their formation. And I think one line they should try, it could be a little risky because a dump and chase game could work, could not in the NHL. They should try a line of Max Pacioretty, Chandler Stevenson, Riley Smith. I think you go with um, Riley Smith because he's a pretty gritty guy, not a lot of people talk about, but he does make a great effort. I think he'd be pretty good in the four check, getting down low. Chandler Stevenson also would hop out. He's pretty fast, and he could definitely outskate some of those players. And if you've got Pasha Reddy, who would be hanging out kind of 
from mid to low area in the in the zone, he is probably he's probably the best he has probably the best shot of any of the forwards on the night. He can just sit there and fire away and catch the stars off guard. That probably help him out. I think they can come back in this series, but I think they have to start making some slight adjustments. You know, I think tonight's gonna be very telling. I don't want to say yet because about Peter DeBoer being a, not coaching well because you know I don't think he really makes huge adjustments after you after something like that after you um outshoot a team heavily and you lose the way you do. I don't think you make adjustments like that quite yet, but I think now it's gonna be tonight's game's gonna be really critical. So I think we'll see how he does. So far, Rick Bonus of the Stars has really outcoached him, I think, because he's he's been able to you know it started last series against the Avalanche where he really put an emphasis on a four check game that I'm talking about. Really caught the Avalanche off guard; they were not expecting it. That played a key role in that series. But now, with the way he hasn't been able to do that as much against the Knights, but he's so he shifted to a you know a defense um, focused game where they've they've held their own formation. It's been working well, but they've kept the Knights from getting really any great chances. I mean, they've had some decent looks, but nothing really, you know, that great that Hugo and can't stop at even strength. So it's going to be, I think this game is really going to come down to Peter DeBoer and what, for the Golden Knights and what he draws up. So they can come back, but I think it's going to be some adjustments made. So then moving on to the next series, the Islanders and Lightning. Lightning up 3-1 this series. And, you know, as well as the Islanders have played, in this um, playoffs, I'm just not sure there's much more they can do. Uh, I I know you guys are probably sad about that right now, but um, it's just one of those things where the Bulls just are just a better team. And they even did that in a critical game yesterday where it was pretty much a must win for the Islanders and, and they couldn't get it done. Braden Point's still playing really, really well. Uh, he's probably the best player left in the playoffs right now. I mean, I mean, Kucherov's white is recognized as the best player on the Lightning, but during these playoffs, it's been the Braden Point show. He's still killing it. You know, it, again, it's been a great run for the Islanders, but I just don't think they have enough to take this series. Unfortunately, I think it's going to end. I don't think it's going to seven games now that I've seen it play out. I think it's going to end in six games. It, pro- it probably will end on Tuesday night. So, anyway, one other thing I want to talk about is. Today, Jeff Ward, the interim head coach of the Calgary Flames, he um, had the interim tag removed from him. He will be the permanent head coach of the team. And I thought he did a fairly decent job with the team. He he took over for them at the end of November when Bill Peters was fired, or he, had, he was forced to resign for um, past um, behavior. I, I, I'm not going to go and talk about it right now. If you know about this, you know it. I'm sure you can look it up if you don't know about it. But anyway, he was... Jeff Ward was put in um, um, behind the bench very um, late in the month of November. Still pretty early in the season at that point, but he did a decent job when he took over. The Flames actually started winning more games. They went to the playoffs, and and the depth emerged for them, something that hadn't really happened, but the star players like Johnny Goodrow, didn't Sean Monaghan, those guys didn't really show up that well. And, you know, I'm iffy about this hire because, you know, I think he did a pretty decent job what he could because I don't think the Flames are that good of a team. I thought, um, you know, obviously the depth showed up, but overall I don't think that's really sustainable. But um, but I I don't think he did a... I don't know. It just seems like he did a decent job, but not a great job. So we'll see how it goes for them. And I think there are better coaches out there. So I don't know. This is one I'm, this I'm very, very iffy about. Um, yeah, just uh, I guess I'll put my two cents in it. Uh, pretty disappointing as an announcement. We don't get that, but Max is right. 
this Lightning team is way more talented than the Islanders, and the coaching and the amount of the momentum the Islanders had is kind of gone now, and it can only really carry them so far at the end of the day. Um, you know, it was fun to watch the Islanders in the conference, the conference finals, something I haven't been able to do since I've been a fan. And hopefully, you know, having Barry Trotz around and Barzal will continue to get better and better um, and hopefully pick up more talent. We might have, we might have a Stanley Cup winning team right here one day. <laughs> yeah, I think it definitely can happen. So, you know, we'll, hopefully it does. I, I really was pulling for the Islanders hard, but it, it's just, it doesn't look like it's going to happen at this point. Still, I think one of the better team stories we've seen in a while. All right, time to talk about basketball. Uh, so, obviously, playoffs still going on. Um, I'm going to start with the Eastern. Uh, actually, there's a few news stuff that I want to go over, and then we'll go into the playoffs. Uh, I don't know if Nick has any comments on this, but Mike D'Antoni, who is now the former Rockets coach, has told the Rockets that he's not going to be returning. Um, in my opinion, Mike D'Antoni and the Knicks never really worked out. I thought Mike D'Antoni and the Rockets did in my opinion, I thought he did a really good job. His three-point offense fit the Rockets very perfect, very well. Or you could also say that they built around his three-point offense. Um, now, you could also take the point of view that they have the talent on this team that they could win a championship and they never were able to under Mike D'Antoni, um, which is definitely something to consider. But in my opinion, I think Mike D'Antoni definitely had I'd, I'd say successful run with the Rockets. There are going to be people, like I just said, that are going to say no championship, it's not successful. Um, but I think he was able to basically make a team around all these three-point shooters. And first off, it was very fun to watch what he was able to do with the Rockets and just in turn watch the Rockets. Um, but I don't know, Nick, any opinions? I mean, I definitely agree with you. To me, like his run with the Rockets was successful. Yeah. It just comes down to the fact that he was unable to win a championship with them. Mm-hmm. Um, I like him as a coach. I think you know. I think his record was like something like two hundred and seventy and like one hundred around that area. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, very successful coach with the Rockets. It's just the fact that he couldn't get over the hump and win a championship. Ultimately, I don't think the way he he runs his team, where it's a lot of isolation, um, a lot of drive kick for the three. Um, I don't think there's enough ball movement and a lot of, not enough team involvement to really win a championship with that style. Right. But it's enough. It's you know on a game to game basis in the regular season, you know, you're going to win a ton of games. You win some playoff games, but I don't think his process really works in terms mm. of winning a championship. As as Kobe alluded to before he passed, um, it's unfortunate. I think the Rockets and D'Antoni are uh, a really good fit, but I also think that they're leaving on the right terms. Right, uh, D'Antoni's contract expired, and then the Rockets are like, "Look, we're not sure if we want to resign you." Um, you know, you've, you've been great for us. It's just that we haven't really gotten us over the hump, and we feel like we have the roster. We've, you know, we've given you plenty of tools to get us there, and you just haven't. Um, it's not that you were bad. It's just not you. You weren't like what we needed. Yeah, sometimes um, and, you just need to change your senior. And it's not a firing. It's just they're not going to resign him. So I think it's, I think it's a, it's a, it's a good departure for both sides. Very true. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is the Bucks and Giannis. The Bucks told Giannis somehow it's, it's just been a report that they're trying, they're going to have a focus this off season of building a cast around him, which I feel is just what any team's going to say when you have a star that is thinking about leaving. Um, in my opinion, I it's really hard to say because it's just like a guess at this point, but I don't really see Giannis leaving. Um, he built this Bucks team at. Obviously, him not being the GM or the owner, but 
he's given the Bucks a center stage name for these past few years that the Bucks had never had. I don't remember the last time that they were ever anything that they are right now. Um, and I think Giannis plays to that. He plays to the idea that he's this leader and this focal point of a team that wasn't really anything before he got there. Um, I mean, he's he is a Milwaukee. He is what the Milwaukee Bucks are, and I don't see him taking his talents anywhere else. Um, but obviously, LeBron James changed teams when he when I thought he was going to be a Cavalier for life. So you never know for sure. But I do think Giannis is going to end up staying with the Bucks. But also keep in mind he still has another year under contract with them. So that's still years away if he decides to go uh, to another team. Now to go in. Um, oh uh, yes, yes, Max. Um, sorry, I was. I don't mean up here, but I didn't think this lasted as long. Could I? Is it okay if I get going? You know, I'm yes, kind of busy. Of course. All right. Thank you so much. See you guys. Bye, Max. Yeah. All right. So, um, Eastern Conference playoffs. Bucks versus Heat. We talked about last week. The Heat were up three to one, um, and the Heat ended up winning it for in four. In, Five games. Uh, Giannis tried to play in game five, didn't re- couldn't play the whole game. Um, had to leave, obviously injury, um, which really sucks for the Bucks because he's like I just said is what that team is. Obviously, have Chris Middleton on that team as well, and we talked about how last week we don't think Chris Middleton can take a team, um, be that clutch shooter, and lead them past the Heat, who, who they were already down three to one. Um, and on the other side, Jimmy Butler, Ben Adebayo, Goran Dragic, Tyler Hero. I mean, they've come together during this bubble and specifically during this these playoffs and have played really well. Um, I mean, everything has to go to the heat on how they came in this series. And shouldn't the story shouldn't be that the Bucks didn't play up to the level that they should have. It should be that the Heat played outstanding and totally – uh, had an upset over the Bucks, which was really fun to see. I'm always one of those suckers for um, comeback stories or upsets, things like that. That's what makes sports fun, in my opinion. So that was fun. Um, next up, Celtics was Raptors. The Celtics ended up pulling out um, in Game 7 against the Raptors. On the Celtics' side of the thing, side of the series, Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum were the two biggest players for them. Um, obviously there's Kemba Walker and Jalen Brown, but Kemba Walker, the Raptors were really able to hold him to not that big of an impact. Definitely not the impact that Kemba would want him to have, would want himself to have in a series. But then again, Marcus Smart, um, just his spirit towards the game. He's one of those players that, um, puts everything into each game. And that's the type of player that you want your team to have. Um, on the other side, Kyle Lowry is very similar to him. Um, so those were kind of balanced out, but Marcus Smart played out of his mind. His spirit is just something that has to be very inspiring to people to watch. Jason Tatum continues to prove that he's one of those top talents in the league and will be for a while now. He's starting to figure out how he can be productive from the free throw line, which is something that stars have to figure out at some point. I mean, you see James Harden do it all the time and how his career has turned out from where he was on the Thunder is an insane trajectory, and Jason Tatum's starting to figure that out. So he's definitely going to be a talent for a while. And for me as a Knicks fan, it's not going to be fun to watch, but in general, will be fun to watch. 
Um, then, obviously, comes next, Celtics versus Heat. In my opinion, I think the Celtics are going to take it. But then again, the Heat have played outstanding and had an upset against the Bucks, like we just talked about. I just think that the Celtics, they have Kemba, they have Jason Tatum, they have Marcus Smart. They have all these players playing together, and I think Gordon Hayward's coming back this series. Um, so they have a lot going for them. Then again, the Heat also have a lot going for them coming off such an upset and just have a huge wave of momentum taking them. So it will be an interesting series. I'm going to say Celtics in six, but definitely excited for that series. Nick, you want to do some Western Conference? Oh, uh, sure. Just going over the Eastern Conference real quick. Um, you know, I didn't huge upset by the Heat over the Bucks. Obviously, I don't think anybody could have predicted that, and I yeah. certainly didn't. That's probably one prediction I've gotten wrong this playoffs so far. Um, this Heat team, you know, they're playing under Jimmy Butler and leadership. Jimmy Butler, Butler's leadership and Spolstra's coaching has been pretty good for them. So it's gotten to the conference finals, and I think it's farther than anybody the Heat would have thought the Heat were going to go. Uh-huh. Um, but I do think the Heat Heat journey ends here. Um, I'll probably have the Celtics in six as well. Um, and then, um, so that, that, you know, that's, we'll have the Celtics going into the championship uh, versus whoever wins out the West. Mm-hmm. Okay, so going into the West side of things, uh, starting with the Clippers and the Nuggets, uh, this, this Nuggets team will not go down without a fight. This is the second, they've worked themselves to the second game seven um, in a row which is pretty incredible. I think that I think the Clippers played pretty decent, you know, looking at yesterday's game, um, you know, we had Paul George with 33 points and Kawhi with 25. So they both had pretty solid games, but they couldn't put it all together. Uh, Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray have just been too much for this Clippers team, you know, defensively, which is pretty incredible. You know, this Nuggets team, I, I didn't think they were this good of a playoff team. Um, and I honestly don't know who's going to win tomorrow. Um, uh, in terms of like, I honestly don't know who's going to win win the series. It's going to be a really interesting game seven. Um, definitely worth watching. You know, it's a kind of a must watch game. I do think the Clippers are going to edge them out. If I had to, if I had to make a prediction, I'd say, but it's going to be really close. Um, so we're going to have Clippers, and obviously the Lakers beat out the Rockets. Uh, going over the Rockets, Lakers. The Lakers were just too much for the Rockets, and it seems like the Rockets gave up. Mm-hmm. Uh, James Harden and Russell Westbrook. I love them both dearly, but it's just. <laughs> This team is just not working. I'm not a huge fan of small ball. You know, I like Robert Covington. I'm, I'm happy we got him on the team, but I don't know if it was worth the cost of getting rid of Clint Capella. Um, hopefully we can acquire center in the offseason to come back and really, you know, as, as James Harden said in one of the interviews um, when they lost, after the final game, Harden feels like they're one piece away, and I kind of agree. That they're like, the Rockets are like one player away. I think a bigger player, right, not another guard from being able to really compete for a championship, whether that's like a small forward or center, I don't know. Uh, but they need somebody else to really hand, handle the load because I think Russell and Harden are really great. But I think one more player would put them over the edge or it's like, yep, this team's a contender. They're competing. Um, and right now they're just not there. Uh, sad to see the Rockets go, but um, I guess it was a little less painful for me because I didn't see them get to like game seven and then right. lose. Which so that was which has happened before, obviously against the Warriors. Where mm-hmm. Chris Paul went down; it was very painful. <laughs> um, so I guess it's, I'm happy not to see them lose in a game seven because it was not as painful. But uh, stinks to, to see us give up like that. But a Lakers really talented team, and they're LeBron James is playing out of his mind per usual every single playoffs. When LeBron knows the game's on the line, LeBron's going to do what LeBron does. He's not a great, great three point shooter until the game's in the line. He's going to hit every single shot. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just LeBron James. He's incredible. And it's going to be Lakers versus Clippers, I guess, in the conference finals. 
Um, if I had to, this, this for me, like I think if you don't predict a game seven there, then you're you're understating it. So right. it's got to be game seven. And if I had to choose, I'm probably going to go with the Lakers in seven just because okay. LeBron James is that good. Yeah, I think that's my reason too. LeBron James just takes the team to the next level, obviously. Um, so now we're going to talk about baseball. I don't want to talk too much because there's not that much to talk about really, but I want to go over the playoff situation. Um, I think there's, depending on the team, like 15, 13 to 15 games left uh, per team. So definitely getting close to the end. The playoffs are starting to be figured out somewhat, but in this season where so many teams have the opportunity to make the playoffs, there's a lot of possibility. I think uh, I was talking to my family and we figured out the math that it's like half the teams make it to the playoffs. So or the majority. Um, I guess it's 16 teams. There's 32 teams, I believe. Or there's 30 teams. Whatever. It's close to half or more than half. Um, so there's a lot of teams that are going to make the playoffs. So in terms of the American League, uh, the two teams from each division right now would be the Rays and the Jays from the American League East. From the Central would be the White Sox and the Twins. From the West would be the Athletics and the Astros. If you're looking at that, the only real surprise, well, there's actually two surprises. Um, first off, that the Yankees aren't one of the top two teams in the AL East, which I'll talk about. Um, and also that the White Sox are the top team in the Central. Um, the White Sox have played really well. They had a really good offseason, and I think it's just boding well for them this season. Obviously, there's a lot of times where you go all in an offseason and it doesn't go well. Um, but for the White Sox, it seems to be going well for them. Obviously, 30 and 16 compared to what their record was last year, which I don't know what it was, but it definitely wasn't this. Um, in terms of the Yankees, they're on a five-game winning streak. So, obviously, they're playing much better than they were when we were, when we talked last week. Um, but the fact that they're still not one of the top two teams just goes to the fact how well the Rays and the Jays have played this season. Um, the Rays, it shouldn't really be that big of a surprise. They had a really good season last year. Um, the Blue Jays, it's more of a surprise. Um, even if you expected that their younger players were going to excel um, this upcoming season, to have them as the number two in this division is definitely a surprise. Then again, they're only a half game up against the Yankees, so this could all change by tomorrow. But um, the Mets have been playing the Jays this week, and there's a few things that are point that have been pointed out to me um, as I'm watching. First off, the Jays' bullpen is really good. Um, I mean... Actually, yeah, it's just the it's really the bullpen. I don't know what their record is, but they have an insane uh, win loss record for one um, one run games. I think it's like fourteen and nine, thirteen and nine. It doesn't sound that crazy, but in one run games to having to have a winning record um, shows a lot from the bullpen that they can stick through and hold a one run lead. Um, and that's really been their pressing point. Obviously, their younger players are having really good seasons as well, so. Definitely reasons for them to be as good as they are. In terms of the AL West, it pretty much makes sense. I wish the Angels had a, had a better season because it seems like they have the stars that they need and their pitching just always messes it up for them. Um, in terms of the wild card in the American League right now, it's really it's the Yankees and the Indians. Um, and then there's no one really that close. The Yankees and Indians are tied 26 and 21, so they're 1 and 2. And then the next closest is 21 and 25 by the Mariners. I don't know what that math is, but uh, 5. 
Let me check this. If it would load. Okay, yeah. Um, there, the next close is the is the Mariners, and they're four and a half games behind them. So the Yankees, def I think, are going to make the playoffs, um, especially with the way they've been playing recently. But um, it is still a surprise that they're not atop the AL East. But I'm going to stop harping on that. Next up is the National League in terms of playoffs per each division. It's going to be the Braves and the Marlins for the East right now, the Cubs and the Cardinals for the Central, the Dodgers and the Padres for the West. Um, I think the biggest surprise for anyone is that the Marlins are top of the National League East. I don't think it's the talent on their team. I think it's the fact that everyone doubted them and they want to prove doubters wrong, which can be a big uh, impact for a team. Um, the Marlins have had young players really step up. Uh, random pitchers come up, pitch well for them. It's been like a, what's the word, uh, band-aid type roster where they, there's just random people to fill holes and they're just playing well. Um, they're two games over 500. In my opinion, I know this is like far-fetched, but next season there's going to be people that are going to say the Marlins are going to be much better than they actually are. And I think that's just based off how well they've been able to play this season. But in all honesty, it's just because they're getting lucky with these random players that are getting called up at the right time. They're playing well. I just don't think it's sustainable. Yes, they're having a good season, but I don't want anyone's to think that they're better than they actually are, um, at least in my opinion. Then for the wild card, right now the top two teams are Giants and the Phillies. Um, who's behind them? This is the National League wild card is definitely closer than the American League. It goes Phillies, Padre, Phillies, Giants. Um, then next would be the Rockies and the Brewers, then the Mets and the Reds. Um, I guess I'll just talk from the Mets standpoint. The Mets currently sit three games behind the Phillies and three games behind the Phillies and 23-24, two games behind, two and a half games behind the Giants, I'm pretty sure. So the Mets still have a chance, but they haven't been able to put together wins. They have a winning streak here and there of two games, but to get over this hump and make it into the wild card push, make it into one of those two teams, they need to get on a streak. They can't just go, go win two, lose two. That's not going to work for them based off how they started the season. Um, and it just has to, they have to figure out how to put games together. They still have 13 games left. So there's still an opportunity for them to win, to get into the playoffs. But at this point, they have to get to 500. And the way they're going, they're going win two, lose two. That's not going to get them to 500. Um, some other things I want to talk about since I guess I'm in my Mets rundown now. Um, Jacob DeGrom continues to play well. Um, right now, I guess he is in the lead for NL Cy Young, which would be a three-peat for him. I think his ERA is 1.67 right now. His last game for the Mets, um, it was one of those games where he, well, first off, it was when they won 18-1, to but um, he didn't have his stuff. And in Jacob DeGrom fashion, he didn't have his stuff and was able to push through and only give up one run. And that's what's really made Jacob DeGrom such a good pitcher besides his 
fastball and his other pitches, which I'm not exactly sure what his repertoire is, but um, he just continues to prove that he's one of those pitchers that even if he doesn't have it, he's going to pitch well for you, which is something that the Mets need to hold very important um, and is very exciting to watch. Um, Nick, anything you want to talk about the Yankees? Um, sure, yeah. So the Yankees, obviously, has, as Brian said, they've been better since the last time we talked. Um, they went on a five-game winning streak uh, over this past week, 5-5 five, five in the last 10. When you look at it, we're 13 games out for the end of the season. The Yankees are four games behind the Rays. Uh, if the Rays and the Blue Jays start to fall off a little bit, the Yankees can really get hot. You know, it's still not impossible for them to snag that first place back. That being said, very difficult to do so. Um, which, I, if anybody's going to do it, I think it's going to be the Yankees, right? Uh, the Yankees have gotten a five-game winning streak. Keeping in mind, they got some, they got like players like Torres back off injury. Um, unfortunately, uh, we're looking at the injury list still. Aaron Judge is still out to the 18th, and he's been out for quite some time. Hmm. Ursula is still out to the most likely the 15th. Uh, Pax is out to the 25th, uh, all September, obviously. Stanton's out for the 18th, and uh, Lazaga's out until the 15th. Uh, you know, still a ton of injuries for the for the Yankees, but um, as they start to get healthier, we we see that that trend that they're going to start winning more. Um, pretty promising sign. Uh, you know, it's been a really rough season for the Yankees. Um, I feel like they're the kind of similar to the Eagles of football, where it's you know they feel like they're going to be good, and then they get all these injuries, and it, it really holds them back. But I think the Yankees have obviously had more success than the Eagles for the most part. They got this. Well, Tyrese wins. You can't discount the Eagles there, but. Um, yeah, I think from like a season-to-season basis, the Yankees are always successful somehow. And I think, you know, hopefully in these past 13, next 13 games, if they can try to win like 8, 9 of the 13, that could really put them in a good place. You know, let's. I think I think it, you know, the Yankees are a half game behind the Blue Jays, so they'll take the two spot in the Eastern Division. But obviously they got to fight for that wild card spot too. So um, as long as they can win and players start to get more and more health, you know, continue to get healthy, I could definitely see the Yankees, uh, you know, being like the, one of those underdog teams in the playoffs due to their seeding, but we know how talented they are. Mm-hmm. As long as they stay healthy through the playoffs, it should be uh, it should be a good run for the Yankees. Um, you know, I just hope everybody gets healthy. We need everybody back. Yep. Um, so that I guess wraps up this week's podcast. Probably our longest podcast we've ever done. Lots of football stuff we had to talk about. Well, Max and Nick had to talk about. Um, so, any final words, Nick? Uh, sure. You know, just going through the podcast this week, there's just so much sports happening at once. I don't think we've, I don't think we've ever had like the NBA. You know, obviously because Corona, we haven't. We haven't had the NBA playoffs to start of the NFL season, mm-hmm. yeah. and the MLB all happen at once. I mean, we're now the MLB playoffs and the NBA playoffs and the NFL going up once. It's just incredible. Mm-hmm. Um. You know, just absolutely nuts. I, I can't even fathom the world that we're living in right now. Um, but, you know, the, the NFL season, I'm excited that it's underway. I'm pretty happy to get in games tonight. The Giants start playing in a couple hours, so I'll be excited to watch that game. Uh, other than that, if you guys have any comments, questions, concerns, feel free to leave me on my email at nicholasforbath 10 Um Other than that, I'll talk to you guys next week. Thank you for listening. Handing over to Brian. See you guys. Yep. So, I mean, going from... I guess where we were two months ago to what we had scheduled for this week's podcast, it's such a difference. Um, when me and me, Nick and Max kind of guideline what we're going to write for each podcast, it's saved per week. So we can go back all the way and see what we were talking about. And um, 
yeah, I mean, there's so much to talk about, which is nice to see. Um, but other than that, we'll be back next week. Um, let us know what you thought of this. You can DM us, as I say. Uh, we don't put these on YouTube anymore. We used to, but we don't anymore. Um, check out our videos on YouTube, Instagram, uh, where else? TikTok, you know, the drill. Uh, if you have any interest writing or editing videos for us, contact the sport universe 2019 at gmail.com. Other than that, thanks for listening.